That was beautiful. Thank you. Good morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship at Faith Community United Methodist Church. It's good to be with you this morning. I'd encourage you to find the attendance pads that are in the pews and uh, fill those out, pass them along to others worshiping beside you this morning so that we have a record of your presence here in worship with us this morning. I want to say happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers that are here with us this morning, as well as mothers that are uh, worshiping with us online as well. We celebrate you this day. The flowers, uh, Mother's Day flowers are up here. There's an insert in your bulletin that tells who those are given in memory of and in honor of, so you're welcome to pick those up uh, following the service this morning, and thank you for uh, sharing those beautiful flowers with us in worship this morning. I want to say thank you to everybody who, who helped out in any way uh, yesterday with the Rock Out for Mental Health, especially thank you to Rob Smith, who, who really dreamed it up and put the whole thing together. Uh, it was just a wonderful event, and I'm told that, that it raised over $50,000 for mental health, so that is just amazing. <clears throat> I'm sure that more importantly, you're interested in knowing that your pastor finished in the top 20. <laughs> uh, I, was just, I was just pleased to uh, be able to participate and just do my little part, but so many did so much more. Uh, just uh, the, the way this place was filled yesterday and uh, the, the response to it was just wonderful. So thank you to everybody uh, who helped with that. You have another opportunity to contribute to missions this morning through our Coins for Missions offering. The blue buckets are out in the narthex, and if you have coins in your pockets or in your purse that you didn't drop in uh, on your way in, make sure that you put those in the blue buckets on your way out to support our local mission projects that we, uh, that we support through our Coins for Missions the second Sunday of every month. We're here this morning to offer God our worship and praise, so let us be in a spirit of worship, and I invite you to stand as you are able for the call to worship. Good morning. Please join me. We gather in the presence of God through whom all families on earth receive their life and their name. We wish to be strengthened in our inner selves that Christ may dwell in our hearts. We seek to be rooted and grounded in God's love and in the love of Christ, which surpasses understanding. Come to worship and to praise the source of love and peace. Glory be to God in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. If you'd please remain standing for our opening hymn, Praise to the Lord the Almighty, number 139 in your United Methodist hymnal.
Thank you. You may be seated. Please join me in our opening prayer printed in our bulletin. We thank you, O God, that you have given us new life and freedom in Jesus Christ. Our faith and our hope are in you. Since our earthly lives pass like the flowers of the field, which bloom today and fade tomorrow, we want to be rooted securely in your eternal love. Be known to us as we live from day to day through the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please join in our prayer hymn, Precious Lord, Take My Hand, number 474 in your United Methodist Hymnal. Precious Lord, just like a loving mother takes her children by the hand and leads them in the way, so too you take each one of us by the hand and lead us on the path that you have prepared for us. And so, Lord, as we 
rest in your presence as we take that hand that you have held out to us. We are comforted by your presence, by your peace, by your graciousness in all things. And so in this time now of silence, we lift up to you all of our cares and concerns and our prayers to you, our mighty Father. Hear us in this time of prayer. Lord, as we celebrate this Mother's Day, we thank you for you fill a mother's heart with love. You instill in her very being the need to protect her children in every possible way. Thank you for giving mothers the gift of nurturing children, of teaching them, of comforting them, of feeding them and making a safe place for them. Fill every mother with love, wisdom, and endurance, with strength and patience and joy. Give them the ability to forgive again and again. Enable them to rely on you and to call upon you because you give all that is needed. We pray to you, Lord, for mothers who have lost a child through death, that their faith may give them hope, and their family and friends support and console them. We pray, Lord, for women who, though without children of their own, are like mothers that have nurtured us and cared for us. Loving God, just as a mother gives life and nourishment to her children, so you watch over your church. Bless all women who show the way to life through their witness to Christ. Let the example of their faith and their love shine forth, and grant that we may honor them always with a spirit of profound respect and deepest love. Grant this, we pray, through Christ our Lord, who has taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We continue to worship God through the giving of our tithes and offerings, and I invite the ushers to come forward to wait upon us.
Please join me in the prayer of dedication. For every benefit, we praise you, God. For every gift received, and for each gift, we are blessed in giving. For all your goodness, we give thanks to you, the providence which made and nourishes life, the presence which brings meaning in divine and human love, and the promise that gives hope for each new moment. Out of faith and into hope, we are led by your love. And for these graces, we return our thanks through the mercies of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Today's scripture lesson is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 36 to 42. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the windows stood, widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God.
It was Mark who first told the story. The setting was different, as well as some of the characters, but with some striking similarities. Jesus was in Galilee. Great crowds were gathering around him because of the things he was teaching and the miracles he was performing. A leader of the synagogue came to Jesus and begged him to come heal his sick daughter who was at the point of death. So Jesus went. Of course he went. That's what Jesus did. He responded to people's needs. But then he was interrupted. On his way to Jairus' daughter, he encountered another woman in need. She came up to him in the crowd, not boldly the way Jairus had done. She sneaked up to him, not wanting to draw any attention to herself. She touched the hem of his cloak, trusting that that would be enough, that that was all she needed to be healed. But that was not enough for Jesus. Jesus stopped what he was doing, sought the woman out, and had a conversation with her. He took time for her, not just so that she would be healed physically, but so that she could be made whole, made well, returned to community, shown some dignity, dignity that she perhaps had never known. The problem with that is that Jairus' daughter was still dying. By the time Jesus was done with this other woman, Jairus' daughter was dead. 
Some people came from Jairus' house saying, your daughter is dead, why trouble the teacher any further? Listen to how Mark then tells the rest of the story, Mark 5, 36 to 43. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Having already heard the reading for today from Acts 9, I'm sure that you heard some similarities in those two stories. They are both stories about someone being raised from the dead, in one case a young girl, in another case a faithful woman. But more than that, the way that the miracle was performed, and even the words that were spoken, show that what Peter was doing in Acts 9 is an exact repeat of what Jesus did in Mark 5. In Mark 5, Jairus was in a town nearby where Jesus was, so Jairus went and sought out Jesus, asking him to please come with him. In Acts 9, Peter was in a town near where Dorcas had just died, so the Christians there sent for Peter, asking, please come to us without delay. Some differences in the stories. When Jairus went in search of Jesus, his daughter was still alive. But Jesus got delayed on the way, and before they got there, she had died. In the case of Dorcas, she was dead before they even sent for Peter. But still, they pleaded for him to come without delay. What exactly did they expect him to do? Why did they want him to hurry there? We might assume they wanted Peter to come because they believed he could raise her back to life. I'm not so sure, though, that that's exactly what they had in mind. There have been many times during my ministry that I've received word about someone that was in the process of dying, and often I've been requested to, and, and urged to come quickly. Never once did it occur to me that they were requesting me to come quickly because they thought that if I got there before their loved one died, I could lay my hands on them and they would be healed and live. Much less did, did anyone expect that if I got there shortly after the person died, that I could perform the kind of miracle that Jesus performed in Mark 5 or Peter performed in Acts 9. But still I went. And whether I managed to get there before the person died or not, it was important that I go to be visited and prayed over by a leader of the church, a representative of God is important in such crucial moments. I have to assume that that is what the family and friends of Dorcas were after when they sent for Peter to come quickly. Dorcas had already died. There, there's no indication in the text that they thought that he would raise her back to life 
in this world. There, there's no indication that they expected anything of Peter other than what we all expect in those moments, to be reminded that their beloved Dorcas was a good and faithful woman, that she had accepted the truth of Jesus and therefore had received the promise of eternal life, to receive the words of comfort and prayers of consolation. Come quickly, Peter. We need you to minister to us in this most difficult hour. But Peter had something different in mind. Because God had something different in mind. When he arrived, the scene was the same as in Mark 5. There was weeping and wailing. Loved ones were grieving for the loss of their dear friend. Peter had seen this all before. He had been there with Jesus when Jairus had taken them to his daughter. He remembered how Jesus had put everyone outside and went in only with the girl's parents and Peter, James, and John. So Peter did the same thing. He put them all outside. In this case, there wasn't a mother and father to take in with him. Dorcas was an adult. Peter had no disciples to take in with him. He had been the disciple before. Now it was up to him to carry on in Jesus' name. As far as we can tell from Acts 9, it was just Peter and the dead woman alone in that room. But they weren't really alone in there, were they? The Spirit of God was in that room with them. The Spirit of Christ was there, and he was about to do the very same thing through Peter as he had done several years before when he was in the flesh. Peter knelt down and prayed, and then he said to the woman, Tabitha, whom? Tabitha, get up. I've been calling her Dorcas. That was her, the Greek translation of her name. Her friends called her Tabitha. Acts tells us that Peter said, Tabitha, get up. But he would have been speaking Aramaic, which means that literally what he said was, Tabitha, whom? Just as Jesus in Mark 5 had said, Talitha, whom? Talitha being Aramaic for little girl, little girl, get up. Perhaps when Peter had first heard that the dead woman's name was Tabitha, he remembered Jesus saying, Talitha, whom? And that's how he knew that what was expected of him was more than just consolation, that Jesus was going to do it all over again. Or perhaps Peter was just so attuned to God in prayer that the Holy Spirit told him what would happen. Whatever the case, he was right. Just as the Talitha, the little girl of Mark 5, had gotten right up, so too this Tabitha, the faithful woman of Acts 9, sat right up, alive and restored. Peter had performed the very same miracle as Jesus. Peter had watched Jesus do it, and then several years later, Peter did the very same thing himself. That may be hard to believe, but Jesus himself had said that things like this would happen. In John 14, 12, the night before he was crucified, Jesus had told his disciples, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. 
That's exactly what we see in this story from Acts 9. Peter doing the same works that Jesus had done. But Jesus didn't stop there. He went on, the one who believes in me will do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these. No one should be surprised that Peter could do what Jesus had done, least of all the disciples. Jesus had said as much himself. What about us? What about us? Can we still perform the works of Jesus today? Like I said, when I'm called to the bedside of a dying person, I don't think anyone, least of all myself, is expecting that I'm going to bring that person back from the brink of death. God has never yet given me that gift of raising someone from the dead. That's not to say that he couldn't if that were part of his plan. just doesn't seem to have been part of his plan where I've been involved. And furthermore, that's not in general the way that God works. Even back then it wasn't. Even back then, the the disciples were not going around raising people from the dead right and left. That's what makes this story so special. That's why it's called a miracle. Even Jesus, during his earthly ministry, was not going around raising people from the dead right and left. In all of the four Gospels, over three years of ministry, there are only three stories of Jesus bringing someone back to life who had already died. That's just not God's plan for us, that we should stay in these same earthly bodies with these same limitations and frailties and diseases that we have known all along. God's plan of resurrection is so much more glorious and permanent than that. That's why these stories are so rare. But that doesn't change the fact that Jesus said we would perform the same works as him and even greater works. This story from Acts 9 is in part intended to confirm that promise of Jesus that everything Jesus had done on earth, his disciples would continue to do. But it also then raises the question for us, how are we continuing to carry out the works of Jesus? He may not have given any of us here the ability to prevent someone's death or to raise someone from the dead, but he has in fact commissioned every one of us who have been baptized in his name to carry on with his works. And that doesn't mean sitting in worship for one hour each week, or going to Sunday school or Bible study. Those are good things to do. We should continue to do them to lead us in the way. But that is not itself the way. The way is to live like Jesus lived, to do the things that Jesus did. Things like acts of compassion. Take, for example, the story from Mark 5. Jairus came to Jesus with a need, and Jesus was on his way to respond to that need, but then another woman came along, and she had a need too. Now, she was not nearly as important as Jairus. He was the ruler of the synagogue. Mark Mark tells us that over and over again, the ruler of the synagogue. He was an important and respected man. This other woman that came along, she wasn't even important enough for Mark to tell us her name. 
She wasn't important enough for anyone to notice her in that crowd. And besides all that, she was unclean. She shouldn't have been touching anyone, let alone someone as holy as Jesus. But she, too, was a child of God. That's how Jesus saw her. She was a woman in need, and that meant that she mattered every bit as much as Jairus and his daughter mattered. So Jesus took time for her. Even while Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, stood by anxiously waiting for them to get on their way to his daughter who lay dying, Jesus took the time to speak to this woman who nobody else considered worthy of even looking at. That's the kind of work of compassion that Jesus says you will do and I will do because we are his. That is the kind of work of compassion that defined what Jesus was all about. And that very same work of compassion for all people is what every Christian should be known for. We will do the works of Jesus. Things like forgiveness, and mercy. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus was constantly talking about forgiveness. Turn the other cheek, he said. Seventy times seven, he said. As you forgive others, so shall you be forgiven, he said. He told parables about it. He taught his disciples to pray about it. But Jesus did not just teach about forgiveness. He lived it. In the most excruciating moment of his life, he showed it. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Those are the kinds of works that we should be doing. The work of forgiveness, working toward forgiveness in our own hearts, working toward restoration for those who have gone down the wrong path, even those who have harmed us because of it. That's what Jesus meant when he said, you will do the same works I have done. He wasn't just talking about miracles like Peter raising a woman from the dead. He was talking about the even greater miracle of a scorned and hurt person forgiving the one who has harmed them. We are called to do the same works that Jesus did. Things like reconciliation and breaking down barriers. Jesus was forever breaking rules. He didn't break rules just for the sake of breaking rules. He broke rules for the sake of humanity, for, for bringing people together. He allowed unclean people to come near him who were supposed to stay away. He ate with sinners that he was supposed to shun. He spoke with a Samaritan woman while no one else was around, a violation of three rules in that one sentence. He broke all those rules because Jesus didn't believe in drawing lines between people based on the categories and customs of this world. But let us not forget those categories and customs that allow or even encourage barriers between people came from a law that the faithful people of the day believed had been delivered straight from God. They didn't see it as the categories and customs of this world at all. They saw it as the word of God. And Jesus was breaking it. 
And in so doing, Jesus showed us that there wasn't anything more important to him. No law, no rule, no custom. There weren't any of those that mattered to him more than loving people. And if that's the case, then there shouldn't be anything that matters more to us than loving people not placing them into categories, not worrying about whether they look like us, speak like us, think like us, vote like us, act like us, but seeing them all as a person for whom Jesus died, just as he did for us. Seeing them, everyone, as a person who Jesus loves, just like he loved. If we are to be doing the same works of Jesus, then that means we need to be breaking down barriers between people. It might even mean we need to break some rules from time to time. Not for the sake of breaking rules, but for the sake of breaking down barriers and being more like Jesus. It might even mean we get some good religious folk mad at us from time to time. Didn't Jesus do that? Continuing the works of Jesus isn't about just about miracles. It's about lifestyle. It's about attitudes, challenging assumptions, loving God and loving people. Loving others the way a mother loves her own child. Unconditionally. Unreservedly. Without question or qualification. The kind of love that that we celebrate on, on Mother's Day. The kind of love that many of us have received from our own mothers. I know not everyone has. Sadly, some mothers have not been able to show that kind of unreserved love to their children. But for those mothers who have, and those of us who have been blessed to have experienced it, we know that that love is from God. It's from God. We know it's the same love that was in Jesus, drawing all people to himself. Going back to our texts for today, there is a difference in the way that the two stories end. In Mark 5, after raising the girl, Jesus strictly ordered them that no one should know about this. In Acts 9, after raising the woman, This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. In the first case, when Jesus did it, it was a teaching moment for the disciples. In the repeat performance, when Peter did it, it was for everyone to see and believe. And so it is with everything that we do in Jesus' name. We don't perform the works of Christ to draw attention to ourselves. We don't do it to feel good about ourselves. We don't do it to prove our own power or goodness. We do these things as a testimony to Jesus so that others might see and believe in him. When people see our works of compassion and they find out that we do that because Christ is compassionate to us, then they too can embrace that compassion of Christ. When others see unnatural forgiveness in us and find out that we are simply repeating what Christ has done for us, then they too can believe in the forgiveness of Jesus. 
when others see us working for justice and breaking down barriers and they find out that we are simply imitating our master, then they too can embrace the truth of a God who embraces all people. And when we do perform amazing miracles, like Peter did in Acts 9, we testify that it is not us but the power of Christ working through us so that others might come to know the God of power and love and life. So let us continue to repeat his amazing works in us over and over again so that others might see and rise up to new life with us. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand now as you are able and sing together our closing hymn, I Love to Tell the Story. It's in the hymnals at number 156.
as we go from this place and throughout the days to come, may we continue to tell the story of Jesus. But even more than that, may we continue to do the works of Jesus. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.